Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good. Good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm here to talk about a movie with you, Bartek. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty, pretty keen. Pretty good. Is the the fire in your heart, you know, roaring? Yeah, there's a bass. There's a bass sound right yeah. in my heart. Mine's percussion. Ah, <laughs> mine's treble. <laughs> <laughs> mine's dubstep. Okay, that's bass again. So we uh, spin Polish, likingly, because we're always spinning, and we both happen to be Polish. Bartek, are there any stories relating to Poland or the culture that you haven't told us that's from your life that you feel like maybe now's the time to share? We know your history with assassinating the Polish president, I mean, meeting the Polish president. Mm-hmm. But what else is there? Um, We know you love carbonated water. You motherfucker. <laughs> and that in- How dare you say that? <laughs> and that the best Indian food you've had has been in Poland. The spiciest Kvindaloo I've had was in Poland, yeah. The, the best. It was nice. Um, <laughs> but it was a painful experience, but it was I, I enjoy that kind of thing. Um, I had my only experience in Poland of hearing someone else say the, word, the name Bartek and not be talking to me. <gasps> It happened twice. I think it might have even been in the same spot in this one Polish mall mm. called the, I think it was called the Promenada. Uh-huh. Um, Which is probably Polish for promenade. Yeah. In, I, th- I think the first case was a a girlfriend talking to her boyfriend. So obviously it wasn't for me. Um, and the other was, I think, a mum talking to their little child. Which was you. Which, Which that, was that one, you. that one was like, was that me? No, no. <laughs> mum's not me. here. No. I think that mall, there is a Polish chain of, I think it's children's shoes just called Bartek, though. Mm. And that promenade had a Bartek. You, yeah. yeah. You already told us you were there. I was there. Here's a random question. With two other Bartek's. Here's a random question. I know that you often go to Poland to, like, visit your, your father and that side of the Often family. stretching it, but I have been multiple times, yeah. But that's usually, like, the occasion, right? Or do you just go there just because... Because what well, my question was going to be was, how often has your mum gone gone with you over to Poland? Because usually I only just hear Polish stories relating to you and your father and that side of the family. I don't think my mum's been to Poland since, like, 2002. Okay. Yeah, and that was shortly before the divorce, so Mm. it wasn't with me. Um, She just has no interest in going back? I don't think there's really much there for her. She doesn't have any family there, right, still? Most of them are over here now? I guess so, yeah. This is the I, podcast now, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you asked me a question, I'm answering it on the podcast. Mm. Um, there might be some people there, but I can't imagine anyone too close. I think most of them mm. are down here. Fair enough. Meanwhile, my most recent Polish experience is I was at Bartek's house and he grabbed out some tea that had my last name on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Ryan's last name Slowinski. It's got schliefka in it and that means plum. I'm a plummy boy. So so Ryan didn't want it. I did not want any plums, but I did recommend a movie for this episode, Bartek, for Mm. our show Pictures Power, the original PP, as I call it. Yeah. Uh, So I recommended a South Korean movie called Burning from 2018. Mm-hmm. I recommended it for this. Uh, at the end of the last episode, you revealed that you haven't seen this movie before. You've only seen one other South Korean yep. movie. This was my second. That you're aware of, and that was Handmaiden's Tale. Handmaid's the Handmaiden, Tale. I think. Handmaiden, fuck. Yeah. I hate the fact that there's two things called this. <laughs> I think last episode I almost said Tale. It's okay. Let's let's just call the whole thing off. Bye. Uh, so if people have not seen 
Burning from 2018. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend watching it for yourself and go in fairly blind. It's one of those movies where let the journey take you on it because if you descri- if I try to describe the plot to yeah. someone, it's not doing the film any service. <laughs> you, I think. you you kind of were doing what I was going to do here, but I'll I'll do it anyway. Normally in this podcast we give. You know, the this is going to be sp- no spoilers and all, like, mm. you know, be warned of that. Usually that's a formality. For this one, I think if you attempted to do a spoiler-free review of this thing, it would be very short and just about, like, technical aspects, because- Yeah, like the acting. This is one where we're probably just going to go through the whole plot and then start talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so- Watch it, people. It's It's interesting, it's striking, good performances- of course, I highly recommend it. I don't know if Bartek will. That's part of the we'll discussion. See. But definitely go in and watch it yourself. Watch it blind because, yeah, <laughs> trying to discuss the plot does not service the actual film. Like, saying, like, this is a plot about a boy and a girl does not... <laughs> <laughs> and another boy. It's the it's the twilight of Korea. It is. No. <laughs> and... Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> let's talk about this I saw this movie in the cinema. Mm-hmm. I saw it in a cinema by myself with my wife. It was completely empty. No one was interested in seeing this. Mm-hmm. I saw it in uh, the Palace uh, cinemas that are oh, in Baldwin. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the only cinema chain playing this movie in Melbourne at the time. Yeah, that's that's where you go to see movies that... Yeah, there's some movies you'll only see there. And on DVD, I have this... Like Una. Uma. Y- Una. Yeah, Una. Uh, on DVD, I have this, and it's from that cinema chain, because they're the only ones that distributed it here on DVD as oh, well. Okay. I've never I, seen that before. I so didn't know Palace did that. I didn't know that either, but uh, there it was on my DVD, and it was like, here you are. So, I've not seen this since the cinema in 2019. It says 2018, but I'm pretty sure it came out here mm. in Australia a little while later. And I saw it knowing that it was highly recommended from a few people that, like, few film people. Your movie sucks. Really liked it. I have a. F- I'm. I'm. I'm more familiar with South Korean cinema. I'm not familiar with this director's work. And I was also keen on seeing um, the guy from The Walking Dead, Stephen Yun, uh, be in this movie because it was like a big thing where his his you know first Korean language film. That he's been in, like he he's played Korean characters obviously many a times in American projects, and he speaks Korean. But this is like the first film in Korea that he's done. He's worked with Korean filmmakers before. He was in Okja, which was uh, Bong Joon Ho who did uh, Parasite. Parasite yep. But that was an American, uh, South Korean American basing. But his character was in the American section of the movie. But he was a South Korean character. Mm-hmm. And that movie's crazy. It's on Netflix. You should check it out. But. Uh, cute and gross um so i watched this in the cinema loved it really really loved seeing this in the cinema an empty one as well got to stretch my legs out and i was fully immersed even though i could hear in the cinema next door the movie playing (laughs) it didn't matter because this movie isn't the most loud quiet so you can hear yeah, ambient I, noises from other places. I might be wrong, but doesn't it take a little while for like the first bit of music to even happen? Yeah, probably. But I, even though I could hear uh, the movie where Seth Rogen uh, is in a relationship with the president next door, that was a movie where Charlize Theron's the president. She's like Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. and she's in love with S- Seth Rogen. Uh, 
I don't know what it is with Charlize Theron in these movies. She's in love with slubby comedians a lot. <laughs> I had a I had a moment in this movie where it was when they were smoking weed. I was like, hey, what, that'd be funny if Seth Rogen appeared. Well, I could hear him laughing <laughs> next door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Pumba. <laughs> so I is that his tweet? Yeah, and yeah, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, rewatched it for this, and I have a lot of thoughts. On this. It's a film that wants you to have a lot of thoughts. And I said to you last week, all I gave you was, Bartek, this is a thinking film. Put your thinking cap on. I forgot that, yeah. And he for- he always forgets my little <laughs> tidbits of advice. I I forgot this was a South Korean film until I was looking it up. I'm like, oh yeah, Ryan said it was a South Korean film. So, what did you think of this movie? What was your experience? Well, first of all, my history, because I got a deep one mm. of never seeing it. Never seeing it. Never seeing it and never hearing it of it. <laughs> um, that's my history. Uh, experience with this film, overall, I really enjoyed it. Mm. I, I was very captivated by it. Um, this being a film you recommended to me, which I walked into completely blind, mm. I I was reliving past experiences in my head of films where I did that to my detriment and wondering, mm. like, Okay, am I um am I having false expectations here? Like I don't know what genre this film is. I don't know where this film is going. So am I going to have like when we did the um the Talking Heads movie? True stories. True stories of like, well, when's the film going to start? Am I doing that again here? Am I not? Thankfully, yeah, this was a film that I could just watch. You know, bracing myself for what it was going to be, thinking in my head like anything can happen. Man, I'm so excited. Um and. it's kind of funny having those intense thoughts early on when, like, really not much is happening and it's very yeah. slow. So it's kind of like I'm pushing myself a little bit ahead of the film. Well, I want to ask before you go further, mm-hmm. was there a specific moment in the film early on that set that feeling in motion? Or was it just the general atmosphere straight off the bat? Because I remember for me there was a specific moment that I had set in stone of this feeling you were talking about when I first watched it, and his name is Ben. Um, I I suppose there are a few minor moments of that. Ben was definitely one of the big ones, but even before that, the, the, the vagueness about whether the cat exists was Mm. one that kind of got me. I was like, oh, okay. And then the scene ended. It's like, so is the cat real? And then the movie ended. (laughs) The movie ended. And you're like, was the cat real? Well, 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 that's that's sort of a microcosm of what you feel when the movie ends. The the movie ending, the macrocosm, if that's a Mm. word, would be what was real. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a a good time. This is one that you did benefit not knowing much about. Oh, yeah, yeah. I reckon definitely so. This was one where, like like I said before, this film could have been anything. I was bracing myself for like, oh, one of these characters doesn't exist or, or one of mm. these characters is both the characters at the same time. Like, it could have been anything. Yeah. Um, and in the end, there were some metaphorical things, but I could definitely see someone walking away from this film thinking like, oh, yeah, everything in this film was that we saw was literal. Yeah. It's one of those where if you walk away with that interpretation, you're not wrong, but- there's other inter- it's a it's a film that's you can interpret in many ways. Uh this is your second South Korean film. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about what you've seen from South Korea in terms of filmmaking cuz both films we've covered are ones with how do you describe the plot without giving stuff away and there's genre mm. shifts and tonal shifts and story reveals and deep deep character stuff that's yeah. really quiet as well as mm-hmm. having those really 
extravagant moments. Like this movie has some really wowza moments. Not as overtly goofy in moments like the previous one, but like, what do you think of the South Korean storytelling and film? I I would not presume to make a blanket statement having only seen two films, but Mm. based on the two films that I have seen, if they reflect the cinema landscape in South Korea in any way, there's definitely a lot of creativity with the storytelling and like what information they're going to give and when they're going to give it and if they're going to give it. Mm. Um, And like you said, yeah, a lot of quiet moments, a lot of character moments, a lot of things that rely on other parts of the movie to have make more sense, which I know that sounds like a very general thing you can say about any film, but with the structure of these two films that we've done so far. It's relying on the audience's... Yeah. Uh, on the audience. I mean, yeah, and again, I'm not making a blanket statement, but these two films have been, you know, quite the thinking films, as you said. Yeah, I mean, they have their fun, goofy films. I recently watched a movie called The Good, The Bad, The Weird, which is mm. like a South Korean... Japanese hybrid. Oh, that's what The Handmaiden was, wasn't it? I think. Well, like, half the characters were Japanese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, there's a history with Korea and Japan, obviously. I know, yeah. So, um, but that was, like, a lot more overtly goofy, fun cowboy action film, but it was still, like, really bizarre <laughs> and, like, really characterful and even though it's a film where the good guy kills several people by shoving mm. sticks up their butts and then kicking the sticks really hard. Mm, um yum. Yeah, but I am glad to hear that you had a great experience with this movie. This was my favorite film I saw that year, and I saw it at the beginning of 2019, and no film topped it. And that was a year where many great films came out, and it was the year in which I, last year I saw a movie in cinema in. Like, I saw Jojo Rabbit at the end of that year, and that was the final movie. I I saw Jojo Joker. I saw, you know, uh, 1917, and that was Avengers and Avengers, and... That was also the Parasite year, wasn't it? Parasite. And uh, uh, but this film was the top one for me. I I in, and uh, yeah, one Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and this was the top. I I I nothing nothing beat this. It just this film never left me. Mm-hmm. And I was still thinking about it all these years later. And that's also why I wanted to revisit for the podcast. I wanted to talk about this movie and just be like. Uh, what did you get out of this? Yeah. I and also for uh, we've talked about this concept a lot in our years of podcasting but i imagine that this was one that the second experience was also a unique sort of experience right because you you knew where it was going and all the little foreshadowing yeah and i watched it with a specific mindset like i i I was like okay i want to watch it viewing it from this specific perspective and that gave me a lot of stuff to talk about. But I want to keep talking about your experience with this. Yeah. What did you think of the actual, the way, the way the story unfolded? Because I also know in the past you've had a little bit more of an issue than I have with uh, ambiguity within movies and the not getting an answer at the end of stuff in the Sometimes. way that you would want it to be. Sometimes. This film, this film, <laughs> by its very nature, straight up doesn't want you to know everything. We see everything, I'm not making a mistake in saying this, I'm hope, but we see everything from the one main character's perspective the whole way through, right? Almost. Almost? Was, was there an exception to that? Literally, Literally, right at the end, it switches to Ben's perspective. We Last thing we see of our main character 
is he's writing mm-hmm. something down profusely in the camera zooming out, right? In her room, and then it cuts to Ben in his apartment putting right, on yeah. the makeup, and then it cuts yeah, to Ben right. waiting by his car. Thus, the ending also is even more crazy when you think about it, because then it's like, well, is this real? Or is this just a story being written down by a main character? Yeah, I didn't consider that. Yeah, <laughs> but that what you just said there—that was my opinion. The third, first, I'm like, oh, this is all from a main character. But when I watched it again to last night. I noticed so strongly that, oh, we're shifting perspective here. We're, we're, we're not with our main character now. We're mm-hmm. with this guy. And then, oh, we're with this guy still. This hasn't happened before. Every time we've seen Ben, it's been in the context of him being looked at. Yeah. Um, even when he's yawning. <laughs> and it's like looked at with judgment, even though he's fucking yawning. Um, yeah, as, as simple as that sounds, him just yawning, those were very significant little shots of the film. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, you didn't mind it overall, the, the, the kind of piecing it together for yourself. Because that's what this film is. This yeah. film is like a, a, a like a jigsaw puzzle, like a Rubik's Cube. It's like, you, you go and see if you can put something together. Yeah, I I think when I, when I finished watching the film, I was reading stuff up online. I think, it was, I think it was like director comments or like people mm. that made it making comments. And one of the comments was something like... Um, with relation to the fact that we're seeing it from the main character's perspective, he doesn't see everything that goes on mm. with Ben and the girl. I actually wrote down their characters' names, but it's in the jacket. I can't reach it. Um, <laughs> Huyin? Oh. I think it's Hai-Yin, I think her name was. Yeah, something like Hai-Mi. Hai-Yin. Um, yeah, Hai-Mi, I think that was it. Hai-Mi, yeah, yeah. Yep. And Ju Sun? Yeah. 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 Um, because we're seeing everything from his perspective, we don't see what those two are doing in private or what happened in Africa. So if, because we do not have like 100% confirmation that like mm. what we're thinking is the reality. Um, we don't even know if the cat's real. Yeah. We can't tell for sure that what we, what he thinks is happening is real. And the film, I think is proud of its status as, oh, death of the author. I'm not going to explain anything else. So mm you'll never have an answer. So the fact that you have this ambiguity and this, in a way, sort of a frustration of like, oh, I'll never get the answer, but I can think about it, is it's it's a unique feeling to have. It puts you... This is one of the few films in recent years that put me 100% in the shoes of our main character. Mm. Because he's questioning everything, he's getting frustrated, he doesn't know... If Ben did this, if this is actually the same cat, or if there was a cat, or if she's just disappeared on her own volition, or what. And it really puts you in his headspace because he's not getting any answers, Mm. but he's putting together all these disparate elements to come to a conclusion. Like we, the audience, naturally do when we watch a movie. When we watch a movie, we're putting all these things together and we're coming to our own conclusion and or we're coming to the conclusion that the film wants us to come at. But this film is putting you in the headspace of our main character whilst also continuously throughout the movie, from the very beginning, pointing at our main character saying, yeah, but he's not reliable, right? He's kind of weird. It's not. He's we, not. He's not. He's not a good person. When, he's not. Yeah. All when you right. when you say we're in his shoes, I'll say yes to that because we are not in his head. Yes. He does things in this film that, like, we don't always understand. You mean masturbating a lot? You could point it to that, but you could also point to the fact that he's staring at that tower while doing it, and mm. it's like, is the tower the thing that's making him masturbate? 
It's a phallic symbol. It's a phallic symbol. Or when he calls her a whore for no reason other than to be cruel. (laughs) In my subtitles, it was prostitute. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. That's interesting. In mine, it was whore. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like, it's, it's really good at that. What I think, we can talk so much about, like, what's real, what isn't, but... Let's talk about emotions, mm-hmm. feelings, because this is a. I'm going to make a really hyperbolic statement that's going to be laughable at the face of it, but I think you'll get where I'm coming from when mm-hmm. I explain it. Yep. To go to comparisons of films we've covered, this reminded me of Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me mm-hmm. and Om Shante Om. <laughs> yeah. And what I mean by that is Fire Walk With Me has like this mystery stuff. It's It makes you think, oh, this is about... And Twin Peaks in general... And David Lynch, it makes you think on the face value, oh, it's about the plot. But it's actually about the emotions that the media is giving you, the the grief, the sorrow, the extreme stuff, and it's throwing all this stuff at you to, to confuse you. And Om Shante Om, in the fact that uh, this movie very cleverly tells you from the very beginning how things are going to go mm. throughout the whole entire thing. Because in Om Shante Om... He tells you at the very beginning... If it's not movie, a happy ending, it's not the end yet. And, the, yeah. and like, oh, he dies in the first act and then comes back in the second one. This movie, they do the exact same thing. There are so many instances in the script, especially when you go on a rewatch, in which they're just telling you how this is all going to play out. Like, his father, that whole storyline with his father is just like a warning of what's going to be happening by the end of this fucking movie where <laughs> our main character is going to be like his dad and just fucking snap. Mm. And there's so many things like that throughout the movie. The fact that our main girl, he doesn't even recognize her. That's like the first fucking thing that happens. Is like She's like, you don't recognize me? And that's kind of like the thesis of the movie, just like what's real, what isn't. Because you know, you get to this point where you go, is she even the girl? <laughs> or does she just know information? Yeah, again. Is there a well? That's one of the many questions I was having. Like, okay, it's and when I was again, when I was reading up about the film and it was talking about all the classes stuff, like, you know, she's, mm. you know, low income, down on her luck and there's that whole metaphor in the mm. film going on with like, you know, she's insignificant to society, police won't investigate her disappearance or death or whatever. Um even though that was all there, I was still held up in the emotions that I was feeling early on where I was still trying to work out like, okay, what's up with this girl? Because my impression of her throughout the film that I guess I was kind of stubbornly sticking to was like, she's this kind of kooky girl. Like, (laughs) is she going to have like a dark twist? Because, you Mm. know, I I still had the cat thing going on. Mm. Um, We didn't see everything that was happening with her. So her relationship with the other guy to, at, at times, it didn't feel so much as, like, he's manipulating her as she's found, like, a, an almost, like, kindred spirit and mm. and more focusing on, like, the jealousy aspect of that. So when it did eventually go into this thing of, like, oh, no, no, he is the antagonist, whether that's to a evil degree or not, mm. um, it, it kind of, yeah, set things more into what the film's trying to show me. Yeah, I felt... When I first watched it, I was too blown away by the film to really register what my feelings were when I first saw it. But over the years, and on this watching of it, I felt a profound sadness Mm. watching this. I was, like, so fucking sad for everyone involved in this story. I was profoundly sad. And I think my conclusion with her is I think she was just depressed, honestly. I think that she... 
is what Ben says. She's a lot lonelier than you think she is. And mm. I'm just like, oh, because our main character's a lonely guy, and look how fucking sad he is. But oh, because she's the pretty girl that talks a lot, we should assume that she's no different to our main character who's also alone mm. and has nothing going on and is, is, is separated from his own family just like she is. If we assume that's her family, <laughs> if we assume that's actually her, but uh, because when we meet her family, they're like, uh, fuck her, we don't, she's just a liar, we don't have anything to do with her. Mm. But then it's like, well, maybe they're right, maybe she's just a manipulative person, maybe she's because one well, of the great touches we know this because we've done drama, mm-hmm. they give her the touch of doing drama classes, like doing the pantomime classes. Yeah, and one yeah. of the things we know, having been in the world of theater. Having studied drama is there are so many two-faced people who can come across really sincere mm-hmm. and they use and that's why they go to drama. <laughs> there are so many like theater people we know that is similar to this girl in terms of like you feel bad for them, but then you find out, oh, all oh, that was a lie or they were just playing you up or whatever it is. So that little touch of giving her like this class that she goes to made her feel more authentic as a person. It made it harder for me to even come to the conclusion that she's just depressed and not that she's just a manipulative person. But I felt so sad. Like, I don't think Ben's a killer. That's my conclusion. Okay. I thought that the first time. The first time, the specific thing that gave me that feeling was the ending. This time, there are many other things throughout the movie. First time I was so in our main character's shoes that I was like, yeah, that's the cat. (laughs) Yeah, that's her watch. You know, the watch that every other girl in the movie's been wearing. But yeah, that's her watch. Yeah, 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 get him, get him. But when I first saw the movie, the ending didn't make sense to me if he was the killer. Because if he's the killer, why would he go drive all the way out to the wilderness on the assumption that the guy that's been stalking him mm-hmm. is with the girl, if he's killed the girl, right? Why would he do that? Yep. And then what really sold to me the first time, what got me this time, is Stephen Stephen Young's acting. When he gets stabbed to death, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem. He seems yeah. so surprised and doesn't understand. And the look on his face, and this is the great thing about acting from this actor and from these actors. You can interpret so much. It's not just telling you exactly. But I looked at his face and my interpretation was from just his acting. He didn't understand why he was getting killed right now. Mm-hmm. And if he was the killer, and, he's, and if he was this killer who's incredibly intelligent- And if there is a killer in the first place, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if we're going logic, he wouldn't. I don't think he would react like that. Because mm. if he was this sociopath that we've been- demonstrated to believe because he doesn't remember the last time he's cried um i don't think he would react with this genuine sense of like surprise and like sad. like he looked really like fucking he, he perplexed and yeah, mystified it, and sad it, it, it was dying it wasn't the guest it's like you did the right thing yeah, you did the right thing thumbs up <laughs> but what do you think about that interpretation that i'm giving like the reason for this specific moment here because yeah. when he got stabbed I, I just looked at a guy who's who's getting murdered. And he's like, why am I getting murdered? I thought we were friends. (laughs) I feel like one of the geniuses of this film is that you can have, like, either extreme of interpretation and there'll always be things that you'll point to to be like, yeah, but what about 
this, this could mean that that, and mm. it's all like circumstantial. So for that, I would point back to like when he talked to he talked to him. He he came across throughout the film like he he was essentially God. Like he mm-hmm. he makes meals as a ritual to himself. Yeah. Um. If if he is the killer and if he is responsible for what happened to the girl, um, he was teasing our main character with the the metaphor of the greenhouses and mm. burning them and mm-hmm. it's like oh it was girls all along and even before that scene there was the bit where the girl didn't know what a metaphor was and he's like oh he can tell you what it is so he knows what it's a metaphor it's like oh it's he's a writer yeah yeah so it gave this impression of like he is god he can do whatever he wants he's also rich he lives in gangnam um but that's what i was going to say you could say all that, but then my contrary thing would be he's just rich. Well, and rich people are jerks. How many rich people? I, I, I won't say any names, but there are people on people we know who are rich who who are, behave exactly like him. But, but I wouldn't but, call them psychopaths. Yeah, but, but if, if you let me continue, I would yeah, yeah. also point back to when he. It was when the main character meets him for the first time without the girl after she's disappeared, mm. and he straight up just says, like, oh, she's- something, like, disappeared just like smoke. Yeah, like a puff of smoke. And it's like, oh, this guy just talked- he's been talking about burning things, the film's called Burning, mm. the- we got an impression from the phone call that something bad has happened to the girl. If we're going with this god complex thing- it's like he's he's giving him all these pieces and thinking that he's not going to be smart enough to figure it out. And then I would interpret that ending scene mm. uh, where, you know, he's, like, genuinely shocked that he's dying as, like, he's actually done it. Like, he's dethroned me who thought he was, mm. you know, infallible. Okay. So, I guess let's just talk about it. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Ben? Do you think... He killed her? Do you think he's a serial killer? Because that's kind of what the movie leads us to believe. <laughs> What's your interpretation on on him as a character? Um, I am leaning on him being the killer and him having, in general, done what the main character thinks he's done, if, if mm. we can understand what our main character is thinking. But I also say that knowing that there's just so much in this film that, like, we don't have information for and there's probably something I'm missing. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so me saying that I think he's the killer, you know, I'm still open to, like, what have I missed? What was the moment that solidified that thought for you? Was it just that puff of smoke line? Was there any other moment or, like, the gotcha? Like, ah, nah, the, now I think he's the, the, the killer. The, the thought that he's the killer? Yeah. Um... I suppose the puff of smoke line was one of the big ones. In fact, when it happened, I I almost was thrown back of like, oh, that's a bit too on the nose. <laughs> like, again, I didn't know where the film was going. I didn't mm. know if the film was going to have answers at the end or how much mm. of it was going to be vague. So I was kind of like, film, I think you threw me too much of an easy bone there. So for the rest of the film, I was just kind of thinking like, okay, yeah, here's more like evidence, more evidence. Um, but even aside from, like, direct references to that character, mm. stuff like The Well, like, I can't mm. really pin anything down on that, especially when the mum comes in. <laughs> Which- but the mum is, like, a selfish person who doesn't care about anyone other than herself. Just like everyone yeah. in this movie, but, they're all selfish. Yeah, but even when you do factor her in, we've had, like, two other parties in the film being either I don't know about The Well or there was no well. 
Yeah. And and, and yeah, then she comes and be like, there was, but then also yep. she's like, knows no other information about his <laughs> life. So yep. her knowing about a well from like 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, but but, e- but even though that well probably, possibly, maybe, unless you have a theory, doesn't have much to do with Ben, it's just like, this is a mystery. Oh, you're thinking that he put her in a well. Is that no, what you're thinking? No, no, ben? no. I'm saying, I'm saying that the whole concept of the well has absolutely nothing to do with Ben, but the fact that mm. it's in the movie and it's kind of vague is like, well, you know, that it, maybe it does factor it in some way because it's it a It factors into whether or not she's a reliable person, the girl. Yeah. Because he's presented with the notion right, by he, the yeah, family think, that yeah. she's a liar. Yeah. That she's good at telling stories and making you feel sorry for her. All right, so you might think that, like, the phone call was, like, a fabricated thing. Yeah. Well, the phone call's a whole different conversation, but to talk about the well... See, the well comes from, you know, she's telling the story about, you know, you saved me from well and you don't even remember. Mm. Like, she's so disgusted by that. Yeah, it's like he doesn't remember anything. But there's so many moments in the movie where if we go on the track that she's a liar that our main girl is is good at manipulating and lying. There's so many moments in which she does play up the I'm the girl, he, 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 feel sorry for me, here's a story, but nobody remembers these stories other than her. And then he has to try and determine whether anything she says is reliable or not. Was she a reliable person? And then if she's an unreliable person, the idea of her just disappearing makes sense because well she said mm, i could just disappear right, so, so the pl- plot of the film could possibly be a whole mastermind thing by her the whole plot of the film could just be she's winding this guy up and then when he calls her a whore she's like fuck it and then leaves mm. because to go to the phone call he gets yeah which comes at a, the perfect time when he's looking around at greenhouses uh it sounds like it's the you know what I love about the phone call? Mm. It's perfect. Because it doesn't tell you exactly if she's being kidnapped or murdered or anything, but it also doesn't tell you if it's just a butt dial. Because yeah. it just sounds like someone walking with a phone in their pocket and then finding out that there's a phone in their pocket. Yeah, like, and it sounds like background so, some, of the city. Some and- sort of impacts on like the speaker is happening, yeah. And so that leaves you crazy, right? Like I love mm. it's so perfectly sound designed. We could. It's easy to gloss over how perfect the sound is in this movie, but it is even. Like, I love the scene of his flashback where it's completely silent. Is that the one the hell, the things burning? Burning, yeah. 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 Uh, the flashback or dream or whatever, because it's kind of like a mixture of the two. Because there's a greenhouse on fire, right? But yeah. he's a child, so it's mixing them together. But I love the sound design of that phone call because we. You may hear it as a phone call of a girl getting murdered or kidnapped or taken, I hear it as just somebody's phone has rung somebody while they're, it's in their pocket and they're walking around and then they just hang it up. Yep. Or it could be a mastermind scheme. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like Ben doing it to, to like, fuck with him. Oh, shit, Ryan, someone's killing me right now. That or Ben gloating by ringing up, yeah. doing it and just letting it go. But like mm. I, I watched this movie last night with a specific mindset that Ben isn't the killer. Yeah. And so a bias. Yeah, you know, but that's what yeah. this movie I gives know, you, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. next time I'll the watch fi- the it, film wants the film tries to lead you to be biased. Next time I watch it, I'll probably watch it in the mindset that there is no killer and she just 
disappeared and she's depressed. That's how, how I'll probably watch it next time. Like, um, what I mean is, first time I watched it specifically from the viewpoint of our main character. Yep. This time I watched it from the viewpoint of a secondary character. And then the next one, I'm going to do it the same way. That's mm-hmm. what the joy of this movie you're, is. You're trying to rush them on the whole thing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but I... It's an interesting way to do it. I remember what also made me not think he was a killer before he got stabbed, which was the cat. Yeah. You said the smoke line was a little on the nose for you when you when you were watching. You're like, oh, you throw me too big of a bone. I had that with the cat, but in the opposite way, where I went, whoa, 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 wait. You're going to tell me that this guy's a killer because a random cat looked at our main character because he called it by boil? The cat was looking at him when he walked over. <laughs> like, I'm like, are you really going to murder someone because a cat came to you? Like, I don't think, like, that's the way I mean, like... Mm-hmm. Because you're so enveloped in the movie, you're, you buy into that rationale. Think- but when you actually think of it from like a detached, like when you think of it from yeah, like yeah. detached, in yourself- the moment you're th- you you as the audience are thinking, dude, call it boil and see what it does. And, and then when it does the thing, it's like, well, I'm smart. I predicted. And that. he had to call it boil a few times. It wasn't just boil once and then it ran over. It was boil, boil, and then it turned around and looked. And then he called it once or twice more, and then it ran over. Mm. But the thing is, when he walked over, bent down, the cat cat was already looking at him. Mm. And so, when I watched it the first time, that made me twig, wait a moment, wait, 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 Ryan, he thinks that this guy's a killer because a cat looked at him, a cat that he he thinks is the one of the girls, which he never saw. To be fair, though, he had already seen the watch at this point. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. Things are building up, but they're all disparate, they're all little things. Yeah, like I said earlier, everything's, uh, I've already forgotten the word, uh, the word where everything's like interpretable, however you want. Yeah, it yeah, to. yeah. But the watch, he talks to circumstantial. One of, yeah, circumstantial. He talks to another girl that was like her manager or whatever at that place. She's wearing yeah, the, the exact. Landlord same, or she's wearing the exact. Uh, the landlord? No, no, that's the old lady. The the girl. The it was like this woman. He was standing outside with. Oh, like a, like some sort of friend at like a festival or something. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was like her boss, manager, lady, or whatever at that gig that she had where she dances. Yeah. She's wearing the exact same... That's the watch all of those girls wear doing that job. It's like this big pink watch. And I'm like, well, are we just going to assume that him having a girl's watch as pink is going to be her watch too? And even if it is... I guess the manipulative part there, if if the film is trying to manipulate us, is the fact that he gifted it. So it's like, oh, well, that's her thing then. And even if it is her watch, this guy could just be a ladies' man who just has the shit left behind by the women he fucks because they're just like hairbands and a bunch of jewelry and like a bunch of shit in there but the film is making you in the main character's headspace so much that you're thinking these are his trophies of women he's murdered but mm. the cat moment first watching and this watching I'm just like are we <laughs> the character the main character has made up his mind mm. he's just finding excuses to, to do what he wants like to con. To convict this man of a crime. It is, it is, yeah, I mean, as, even to point out, like, I'm a fan of the Ace Attorney franchise, a lot of those story, the stories of those games is, like, pe- people have their biases, people will interpret the information to suit their needs. There, mm. there are, there are, I mean, no, this, this film I'm probably going to recommend soon, so I'm not going to mention it. <laughs> but, yeah, like, what do you think of this notion, though, of, like, he solidifies for himself that this guy's a killer because a cat looked at him. You've had a cat. You've interacted with cats. Is that a, is that, does that hold water? 
Um, especially a street cat, which is what it's supposed to be. Which street cats will just run up at you. I, I mean, yeah, he did walk up to it slowly. You know, he he did all the things. That, like if if it was going to come to you, and if it's not already running away, you can like go to it a little bit, and then it might come to you. I guess it was a little bit suspicious, like how quickly it came up to him when he called it Boyle. But again, yeah, it, it could just be a coincidence. We don't know. They're, they're not yeah. smart creatures. And if you take Ben's word for it, this is just a street cat that ran up to him easily. Mm. That's why he took it. He was like, it's too cute. He came up to me. Uh, see, I love the fact that this movie has this kind of dialogue, but at the same time, we're not going to be like, you're right, you're wrong type of thing, because the thing that's most prevalent about the movie is the mental state it puts you in. It puts you in this deranged state of the main character's perspective. Like, I don't agree with a lot of the actions he takes. I was, I was like rubbing my eyes and like absolute tension and frustration when he's just like following him in his tr- or big truck following Ben yeah, around yeah. and I'm like fucking him. stop stalking this dude <laughs> he's just like a guy and then when Ben's like hey where are you <laughs> he knocks on his window and I'm like hey I thought it was you what's you doing here <laughs> it, it's funny earlier you mentioned like films that it reminded you of and you picked a David Lynch one because the one that I was thinking of was Blue Velvet where it's yeah. this like mystery story where it's like oh what's he gonna discover and like gets really crazy at points yeah and you're like whoa what is going on yeah if anything it reminded me of Lost Highway which I don't think you've seen but that's one worth checking out where it's like at some point the main character literally changes into another man <laughs> um and he's like what the fuck but I-, I mean i was i was expecting something like that in this one did you have a favorite scene did i have a favorite scene um because this is one of those movies too where it just has i kind of miss this it just has scenes like here's the scene in which she talks about the pantomime here's mm. the scene in which she talks about the little hunger and bigger like you know here's the scene in which they smoke pot and she dances Here's a scene in which, you know, that that I love so many of these scenes, but I was wondering if there's one that really got you. I don't know about full scenes, but there were definitely little moments here and there, like when she was doing the dance and like mm. she was doing the bird. I'm like, man, that really looks like a bird. Like, mm-hmm. shit. That, and it was all done in one take. Yeah. Like, quite a lot of things in this film were done in one take, so that was really great. Um, when the film opened and it was just him walking through the streets, like not interacting with mm. anyone and just like life was happening around him, it, it, it that felt like a really genuine thing going on. It was like, oh, cool. Mm. And the girls dancing kind of reminded me of um, Perfect Blue, which, you know, I like mm. that film. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a similar kind of, yeah. you know, idly uh, advertising kind of thing going on. Um, she was really good at doing the pantomiming of the the... Was a mandarin or yeah, orange? Yeah, yeah. What what was she what was she saying during that orange thing? Her whole entire thought process was the way to make it work is to believe it's it's not there. Thus, yeah. you believe it's real. I forgot about that scene until I was reading up about it afterwards, and when I read that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Once you convince yourself something's real, then it's real. It's it's the it's the goal of the movie, basically, yeah. right there. Yeah, that's the movie. I, you know, we were looking at like, oh, the cat and like the smoke line, but really that right there was the film trying to tell you, hey, this is what we are. I think the scene, and I pair them together because they're parallel scenes. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the big scene is is when they go to his house and smoke pot and she dances, and then you have the the greenhouse burning. I mean, that's the scene. Yeah. What's what's your favorite but, sequence? Uh, yeah, well, I like the two parallels of when Ben has her, when Ben and his friends are all around and they're just letting her perform for them. Mm. She's telling the story. Oh, the clapping. Yeah. The clapping, and they're like watching her, like rich people do, you know, just like as a toy that's being played with. And you have the yawning there where Ben yawns, and then the parallel of when 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 our main girl's gone, he has a new girl that's just like her. He has a type. Ben has a type of girl, and she's performing for them as well. She's just this thing that they're all watching, and Ben does the exact same thing. He yawns again. And our main character looks at him both times, and it's like something's wrong with him yawning. I'm like, dude, he's just like. First time I'm in his head so much, I'm like, yeah, 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 that's weird. But then I watched it the second time. I'm like, no, no, let's go with the perspective that Ben isn't a killer. He's just yawning. Mm. <laughs> like, and I love Stephen Yun does this so well. He's, I think he's the best actor in the movie. He's so naturalistic. There's his, he does this so perfectly both times. When you're yawning and somebody looks at you. And you, you're acknowledging that they're looking at you and you're, like, finishing your yawn and then you give them, like, a, a little, yeah, I was mm. yawning. I love that. That was sick. I don't think I've seen that in a movie, the way it was done here. <laughs> like, it felt so realistic to life. Like, when he, both times when Stephen Yeun gives him that look of acknowledgement of, you just saw me yawning, I was like, am I watching a movie right now? Or is it just, like, behind the scenes? Yeah, I feel like if they ever have, like, a yawn in a Hollywood movie, it's to, like, it's going to be followed up with a ca- the character saying a line like, man, I'm tired. Or, I'm bored, yawn, yawn. Yeah. But I think it was just, like, he's yawning. <laughs> uh, definitely for when I was watching the film, because, like, we were introduced to this guy, and, you know, he seems... You know, I won't say perfect, but he seems like infallible. He he seems very stalwart. He he's he's not showing any cracks, and mm-hmm. if he is putting up a performance, which you know, if, whether you think he's a good guy or not, there is a performance ish going on. Oh, there. I don't it's think like, he's a good guy. I think he's just a guy. I uh, think well, he's just if, a rich prick. Well, if we take what he says literally, he burns greenhouses because he can. It, yeah, and he and but the main character just didn't notice when he did it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I'm saying here is um. I was waiting for like okay when's like the, when's like the the unambiguously weird thing going to happen that like you know kind of pushes it over the line. I thought it was going to be either like a a slip up or something more serious like the the greenhouse things but I was a bit thrown away when like the yawn happened and mm. and again not so much that I was in the main character's mindset but in my own mindset of like okay what's going to be the first thing and it's just like Oh, during, you know, this kind of social setting, which you seem like such a social guy, Mm. you know, you're letting out a yawn and it it just seemed like a very unexpected way to show this like kind of crack in his his facade. Again. Because even even if even if he is a nice guy and even if it was just a genuine yawn, it was like it's very interesting that that was like the most vulnerable thing we saw of him early on. Yeah, I here's the thing though. You just said something, and my brain just twigged and went, "Do I agree with this statement?" He's a social guy. When we see him hanging out with the girl and the main guy, he's like facilitating other people to talk because he's just mm. like, "Well, I'm I'm the guy. I don't know either of you very well. How about you let her talk, you talk. And then when he's with his own group of friends, he's just like being the hosty type of guy. He's like, hey, look here. And then he just kind of lets 
stuff. That's what I mean. Like, I, I but I think the way the- he has confidence, but I don't know if I would say like he's this socialite guy who's like always talking, whatever. Because when you watch the scenes, he talks in the way where he wants you to give him information. I th- but, he's propelling but, you to talk. But I believe that that is a social skill, though. It is a social skill, but, like, in the way that it's, like... But that doesn't mean, like, him yawning is a crack in anything, because it's, like, when I think of... Look, I'm not saying that, like, oh, he's he's a <laughs> pussy now that he's yawned. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that this, like, involuntary thing is the first kind of... Yeah. Involuntary thing, I guess. Yeah, but to me, I just find it interesting because, again, I'm I'm looking at the perspective of, I think he's just a rich guy who likes certain types of women, and our main character's upset because he likes a girl that he likes. Like, this Ben guy's took his girl. Mm. And I'm like, I think just Ben's a rich, arrogant prick who has a different viewpoint of the world, and it's annoying because our main character is poor and he's more relatable to us because we're in his shoes throughout the whole movie. Well, someone like Ben, who's just like, I don't remember the last time I cried and I set things on fire. Well, I, th- I think his line specifically was, he's sure that he's never cried, right? Maybe when I was little. Yeah. But like, so I don't know if I've experienced real sadness. And look, I'm not, <laughs> I'm going to mention names, but... There's one or two rich people I know who have these type of statements that they've made that completely bowl me over, where they're like, I haven't experienced this specific type of thing to this larger concept, so that must mean I've never experienced this larger concept. I'm like, you have. You've lived in the world. But whatever. Oh, yes. I, yes, I've heard this story. Yeah. And there's just many of things like, like that, where I, I think of my real world context of me being a poor person interacting with rich people. And I'm like, he just, uh, he just comes across as a rich prick. I don't think he comes across as like, <laughs> I think just because he doesn't remember last time he's cried and he has a cat doesn't mean he's a serial killer. Or the fact that he, he, he dates several different type of women, um, several women that are just the same type of girl. I also know many guys like that. I don't call them killers. You know, like it's a thing of, the film does a marvelous job of teeing you up to that conclusion because our main character does. But then at the end, our main character is like this wild animal who's just killed a guy in cold blood. They're like He's no better. He's not solving it. He just killed someone. Mm-hmm. And the movie just ends with him like panting and he's thrown up. And it's like, you don't. You don't have a sense of triumph at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you're like, yes, he got the killer. It, it was kind of funny because, um, you know how just before that, it did like the thing he's writing and the camera's, you know, moving away from him and the music's playing. I was kind of shitting myself in that shot. I'm like, oh, please don't just cut the credits from here. Give I remember me- that in the cinema too. Being yeah. like, no, please <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, give me something more. And then something more was literally like, you know, the scene in the bathroom and then the final scene. And it's like, ooh. And now the film ends like, oh, yeah, that felt a bit more appropriate, but man. <laughs> Sad. And he wasn't a very good killer, like a truck drove past. Yeah, there's look, vomit everywhere. Again, all, all the mystery things I've watched, like, oh, there's evidence. There's still some blood. You vomited. Um, you know, not everything will get burned. Fingerprints. Fingerprints, yeah. Yeah, he's not very- Witness. <sighs> yeah. Tire tracks. We're talking a lot about this movie, and I'm so glad. I love the characters- to this. Ben is the one we're attracted to the most in our conversation because he's the mystery character. We don't know what he's fully about and he's presented to us as this mysterious he's the Gatsby. Yeah. And that's there too, right? Like early on you have a main character who's very jealous 
And he's like questioning her for being with this guy. He's like, do you even know what he wants? Do you even know why he's with you? Like, do you even know what he does? That kind of thing. And it's like, it it sets up in our brain that we shouldn't trust Ben, but it also sets up in our brain that our main character is a... He's actually expressing, like, jealousy there. He's, like, he's, he's yeah. a jealous person. For what? They're not together. She doesn't owe him anything. She doesn't owe him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he feels like he's owed. In some way, he feels like he's owed. So when In some he, way, yeah. Well, he he criticizes her for dancing with her top off at the, at the last scene he has with her is him being like judgmental and like ownership of her, like that, that is true. Your whore, like all this stuff, and it's like fuck, man, fuck you. I I think also with that one, like he just uh, he just like expressed like his love and uh, well, not to her, to but to Ben, to Ben, and Ben laughed, and Ben laughed, and I think. Yeah, at that point, that was kind of like a sort of admittance to himself. So I guess he was a bit more agitated at that point. Um, if you if you just want to like kind of justify like you know why he said that mean thing to her. Yeah. Um. Not, and again, not to say that that was a good thing to say because she was upset by it and he never saw her again. So. And you have the father in the background, his dad. Yeah. In the background of all this, reminding you that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. In this case, did you think about that at all? Like in the movie, it's constantly there. His father being this aggressive dude who's jealous. And Hmm. that's the thing too. I forgot about this. The lawyer, the lawyer has this whole fucking speech about like stubbornness and pride. And that's the main character. The main character's stubbornness and pride is kind of what sets off a lot of uh, the uh, events in motion because he's like so stubborn in the belief system that he has and he's like so like i don't know it's just something something about him he's got he's got his own sense of justice but he has yeah but again he just like us he doesn't have all the answers yeah exactly so what did you think about this father aspect that's kind of lingering in the background to kind of inform us a little bit of our uh, about our own main character um i was keeping it in mind but i wasn't quite getting anything from it and i was just waiting to see like what the conclusion of that was and i did note that like shortly after the father is convicted Mm. the film very quickly kind of goes to the ending in which our main character does the the murder when i can't remember was the father convicted after he told the story about the burning of the clothes or before can't remember the story of the burning of the clothes the main character talks about when his mother left, oh, the yeah. father set a big fire and he made him burn his mother's clothes. Wasn't that way... That was way earlier in the film, right? That's like halfway through. I can't remember if the well, father... Gets... That, that scene in relation to the father being convicted? Or... Uh, that scene in the movie. Yeah. I can't remember when the father is convicted. That's like right at the end, isn't it? Okay, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Because I know There's I, a lot of details. Yeah, in this I movie. know that the him the story of burning the clothes was way before the mum appeared. Oh yeah, yeah. Because when she appeared, I'm like, oh yeah, burn her clothes. But yeah, here she is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, uh, I love this movie so much. I love the different interpretations of it. Like I've seen people who think like the whole thing's his story that he's writing. Like none of this is real. Like the girl isn't real. I've seen people talk about, you know, the tower that he's looking at. I've seen people talk about that. 
that it was that, an observatory, right? Yeah, the, the 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 room, her room is actually his room that he's writing the story in, and when he looks up, he's seeing that, and that's like a thing. Like when you're writing or creating or whatever, you know this. Your eye wanders off and looks at a specific thing to distract yourself for a moment when you're like, mm-hmm. what now? Like in my room, I look at my lamp that's in the corner. For him, like, so I've seen different interpretations, and that's why when you mentioned the end where we see it all from a main character's perspective, well, no, the end, the ending is is ambiguous as fuck. Do you think that the ending is real? Do you think you take it on its face value when it is the last thing we see of our main character is him profusely writing something and then it abruptly changes to another character's perspective and now we're seeing it from Ben's? Um, I didn't when I was watching the film, but also I I wasn't considering it. I think mm. by that point in the film, I had resigned myself to the idea that everything we're seeing is literal, because mm, mm. we didn't have any sort of, like, the big twists that I was like, oh, let's not discount this. We did have our embellished moments, though, of, like, him imagining her jerking him off in the bed, and then it cuts, and it's just him alone in bed jerking himself off. True, but that was, like, isolated to a single scene. It wasn't We like- had the dream of him being a little boy watching the greenhouse burn again. But, that- but we knew that that was a dream. Yeah, but we're but we're being told, but then also there's many moments in the film, like we've said, yeah, where I'm, we just don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying there was nothing like really long term, like, oh mm. man, that thing from two hours ago didn't happen. You know, it was like mm-hmm. a, oh, that thing from five seconds ago didn't happen kind of thing. Oh well, yeah. yeah, but then this is the movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't give you that moment where and then it cuts back and he's writing and he goes, the end. What I'm <laughs> saying is there's a possibility that this ending could just be him writing out his fantasy yeah, could so, be. Because it becomes a movie at the end. Like, mm. like it becomes a movie. Like, what I mean by that is he texts the villain to meet him in the location. The villain willingly does so under the assumption that he's good guy friend. And then he gets brutally stabbed. <laughs> and then, like, he burns a car and he drives away and he gets away with the crime. Like, it feels yeah, like a story. Everything you just said, I agree with. The things that you didn't say, though kind of because they play like kind of for realism like the fact that he's like you know shivering and taking off his clothes and just like staring and it's really slow paced and he vomits like that part feels a bit too real but then also steven yun's makeup ceremony that he does for the woman also feels like the explanation a writer would have for why a guy would have a makeup box in his bathroom i feel like again it's i think it's another thing for like (laughs) Yeah, when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, is, is this like a cross-dressing thing? Is he the girl? Like, me still trying to be like, who's who's both characters? <laughs> um, yeah, but again, like, the, it's another thing I think of the film fucking with us, because, mm-hmm, yeah, you mm-hmm. can interpret it as like, oh, this is, this is just a movie, now it's a story, but then, yeah, you have these, like, raw moments of, like, how is that going to read in a book? I just stared, and I drove, and it was just getting yeah. small in the background. <laughs> but. It didn't feel tri- it did it stopped being triumphant in those bits. Yes, but uh I think maybe too is she talks about it, the big hunger, that's what it's called, right? The big hunger. I think so, yeah. They're all searching for something meaningful in life and throughout the whole movie he's been confronted with the fact that his writing is the thing that he uses to search for that. But he doesn't write anything. He doesn't yeah. get to write anything cuz he's too busy doing this story right 
And there's an argument I've seen made online, and I, I, I'm not saying I believe that the ending isn't real. I'm just saying like it was a very specific specific choices were made at the ending that weren't similar to the choices made at, throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think we should emphasize like we've said a lot of things in this episode. We haven't necessarily believed a lot of them. <laughs> I believe Ben's a good, a normal person. I don't think he's a serial. No, girl, I'm but... just I'm just saying like not a hundred percent of the yeah. things we've said. Like I've said some things in this episode, just me like theorizing. Exactly, exactly, and that's what's so joyous about this movie. And again, I want to emphasize. This is all playful stuff, but the movie's success is the emotional stuff. The sadness mm. it brings me, the anxiety it brings me, the the joy it brings me. Like, I was so happy when she came back. It's like, oh, she's back again. And then, oh, she's gone. Like, I felt, like, hollowed out when she had left the movie. Like, like with Laura Palmer in, in Twin Peaks, this this vibrant figure was ripped apart, ripped out of of the story and it felt like really impactful but you know i've seen people talk about the ending and talk about this stuff like yeah maybe he's using his writing as his big hunger to to really explore the depravity of of violence because he also looks at his father in this weird perspective of like he never acknowledges that his father's a bad guy but he never acknowledges that he's a good one either the closest you get is when he writes that petition well, he, do- he does mention that he hates his father. Yes, but then he also goes out of his way to be a good son to him. It's mm. just like this weird contrast of like mm. saying things and doing things. It-, it might be a cultural thing as well, yeah. Yeah, but this film also plays up the cultural things too because I was watching the interview with Steve, Steve Yun and I got this from just the movie. I mean, his name's Ben. There's something weird culturally about Ben as a character because he's like this wave of new Koreans, as they say in the movie, of like these young, rich people, but nobody knows why they make this money and where they're from and what they do. They're enigmas of people, even culturally. And you can kind of get that from Ben, right? Like Ben feels like a guy who's not a citizen of Korea, but a citizen of elsewhere. Mm. Just his demeanor. Like, yeah, even... One of the two main characters we know didn't even meet him in Korea. Yeah, yeah, I met him in Africa. Um, but yeah, I, I I, think this film is a joy to watch. I think, also, I don't know about you, you, you have a different feeling on pacing than I do. For a two and a half hour movie, or almost two and a half hours, flew by for me. I, I First time, second time, the movie isn't fast-paced, but I didn't feel those two and a half hours. I felt like, okay, when it ended, I was like, yeah, that all ran smoothly. It didn't feel like, although it's a slow movie, I didn't feel like it was a slow movie. What about you? What did you think of the length of it? Did you even realize it was two and a half hours long? Did you think it was shorter, longer? What did you think of that? I think I felt the two and a half hours, but I don't consider that a bad thing. I think the pace suited the tone of the film. Yeah, I think it was better pace than uh, Main Hunar. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Bollywood films, even though I think the films aren't too different in their length. No, no, but that's the thing. It's yeah. about the, how it feels construction-wise, pacing-wise, how it s- runs into one. I think also the fluidity of the camera moves make you feel like that. Because you, you mentioned like a lot of these are one-take things, but I didn't even think about that. I was like, hey, yeah, because the camera is so fluid in movement and... Mm. What a gorgeous movie, huh? Yeah, pretty good. Like, visually. 
Mm-hmm. That scene where they're smoking pot and it's like sun just setting and they had to film it for a month just to get that perfect light. Mm. Apparently they had to like delete scenes because the they town too looked beautiful. too looked beautiful, and I'm like, I think it was like the fog and like the sun. I, it's weird because I think the film failed in that regard because I thought his town looked beautiful the whole fucking time. <laughs> like it's supposed to be like his town near the North Korean border and and all that. It was supposed to look like not beautiful, but the whole time I'm like, this looks beautiful. I want to live here. Maybe because I live in Melbourne, in a- which isn't beautiful. In in a sort of melancholic way, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe when they say beautiful, it wasn't so much melancholic. Maybe it was, like, too, like, upbeat beautiful. The fog. But when you think mm. fog, you don't think, like, upbeat beautiful. You think, like, ominous or, like, serene, mm. which the general feeling of the movie gave me. I, I, there's so many great moments in the film. I'm just trying to think, well, like, what else to talk about? Because there's, like, so many different angles. Like, the rich... Versus the poor element, man versus female. Like, there's so many... That's the thing. I reckon if you put this in a film class and told every student to write a thesis or an essay on it, there would be so many different ones. (laughs) Like, this is the feminist reading. This is the cultural reading. This is the... The spoiler-free one, which is very short and just technical. (laughs) Yeah, which is technical. And, uh, yeah, I want to check out other films by this director. I think that would be interesting. I haven't checked out any of his other films. Oh, another scene I really liked was when um when Ben and uh when Ben was reading her palm of her hand and he did like little pebble like little rock trick, little pebble trick and that stone. Yeah. And they're like, Why did you do that? Yeah, because it's fun. <laughs> and I think that's what sets him apart from our two main characters, is he does things just cause, more often than they do. He has a line early on where he, he just says, like, his MO is just having fun, right? Yeah. His, yeah, his work and play is all fun or something. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all fun. Which makes you annoyed at him, because you're like, just tell me what you do, you fuck. Well, he does later. Kind of. But, but it might be a metaphor. It might be a metaphor. He burns down <laughs> greenhouses. I think um one of the things I read online, like obviously some other theory, was with the well that the well was possibly a metaphor for like her feelings for the main guy, mm. like oh uh, you know you I thought of you when I was sad and that kind of thing. I kind of didn't agree with that one as much because the film uh, addressed the fact that she didn't know what a metaphor was. So I thought like oh maybe not there, but. You know, yeah, but maybe she, she learned it off screen. That, or she's playing dumber than she actually is in moments. Mm. Again, there's so many different reads of this. I, I, I commend this film. I think I would love to see more movies like this. It challenges the audience. I, I would not be surprised if people hated this movie because it just doesn't give you. It does give you, and it doesn't give it's, you. It's. I thought the exact same thing. It's one of those films where. Two people can have the same things to say about it, but one will love it and one will hate it. I know we've talked a lot, but I just really want to garner too. Like, what was it like for you watching this, not knowing anything, like seeing the plot develop? Because I didn't know anything, and I remember it was just—I was so enraptured when it became a thriller. <laughs> I was mm. like, I didn't know this was going to be a thriller. I knew there was something off, but when she disappears, it becomes like a cat and mouse thriller. Yeah, it's like—is it going to be a horror? Is it going to be a thriller? What? To an to an extent, like it has horror conventions, and like you know, mm. the main character doesn't learn everything; they only get the information from their perspective. We did did we do something recently where mm. where one of us was saying like 
if 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 this film didn't show us one of the, or a lot of the perspectives, like it, I think it was with Main Huna when I was t- mm. no, not Main Huna, Om, Om Shanti Om, where like I was talking about how if the if we didn't have all of the Sharuk scenes, we just followed the main villain, <laughs> it would be this horror story of this like charismatic guy who knows about his past and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it kind of th- this film kind of did that for the main character. My Om Shanti Om connection comes back again yeah there you go <laughs> I, I i did say before i mentioned that like you raise, you did raise an eyebrow when i said om shante om as the other connective tissue to this but really i did think of it in lots of little little moments like completely different films but little dna strands were, were linking me with these uh yeah i'm i hope that you check out some other south korean movies i have a list of them one I reckon you would love. I reckon your mum would love it too, actually. It's called Mother mm. uh, by the guy who did Parasite. Far more dramatic, like uh, less comedically toned than than his other films. Because uh, even Parasite's kind of funny. Mm. Um, I think mum said she saw Parasite but wasn't into it. Yeah, Parasite's... I like Parasite, but I reckon your mum may like Mother. It's got a, it's a crime one, kind of. It's a good series of games. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I have it on DVD. I may lend it to you, but uh, yeah, hopefully you check out some more. Um, I don't know what else to say about burning. We could just keep theorizing about like good guy Ben, bad guy Ben. No, Ben is actually not involved in any way, or like she just disappeared. Our main character is <laughs> crazy, or evil, or well, innocent, and or ag- a writer. <laughs> and again, we could say absolutely anything, but we'd always have to end it with, but we don't know what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> So it's we can't. How we feel. So we can't fully dismiss anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was just bowled over by the performances. Stephen Yeun in particular as Ben. I mean, charismatic as hell, and he was just some guy in The Walking Dead. You know, just now he's in everything. Like he's just such a good actor. Like he does a lot of voice acting now. Um, he, he, you know, what he reminds me of. He reminds me of um, what's that guy's name? The guy who plays Zuko in Avatar: Last Airbender. Uh, Dante Bosco, is that his name? I can't remember. He reminds me of him in a lot of ways in terms of they both uh, have very young complexions, like look very young and sound very young. I know you may not think that because he was speaking Korean throughout this whole movie, but he's like a very young person voice and he does a lot of characters that are like teenage boys, Mm -hmm. which as you know, being a big fan of the voice acting world, usually women do boy roles yeah younger like, boys young yeah. boys but like this guy this guy's like he does 12 year olds he's in a show where i'm watching called final space where i, I think it's like eight and he's great <laughs> and he's a cat um his name is little Kato, and he's just great and uh yeah he was in a tv show recently called invincible he was the lead in that he's just a great actor and i this was the movie there's always a movie isn't there that gave me the realization oh i've got to keep watching things with this guy in it this guy's really good just like how we talked about last week with end of watch with jake gyllenhaal there's there was that movie where we saw him and went wow this guy gotta watch out for this guy like with nightcrawler with riz ahmed never i i'd seen riz ahmed in other movies but nightcrawler really turned me on like oh i've really got to watch out for this guy now and then we watched venom (laughs) (laughs) and it made me go you know what maybe i should reconsider my my thought process here and that was a big point for you with uh, the guest as well. Yeah, but Dan Stevens didn't know him, and then I was like, "This guy, got to keep an eye out." Stephen Yeun may also be familiar with you. He's a, he's an internet meme. He has this, <laughs> I think it's this internet meme where he's like in a, uh, like it's a joke video, but it's like one of those 
PSA videos where he's like in a white void and he looks at you very sincerely and he's just like, so you're gay. <laughs> and then it ends. Maybe I've seen it. I don't know. But uh, that's burning. Uh, that's it. I recommend it. Bartek recommends it. Uh, Putting words in my mouth. But they were correct words, so it's fine. Next episode is a listening people suggestion, Bartek. Ooh. And we will be covering a film that's been on our recommended list since the very beginning. Mm. I've been putting it off, thinking, what film do should precede this movie? And then I thought, you know, we just got to do it. There's not going to be a film that can ever be the warm-up act for snake uh, this is the one that your friend jack recommended right <laughs> yes from 1970s the film is called i remember when snake. he made i remember when he made that comment it was just like a bunch of s's i'm like oh is this like an in joke that only ryan will get but then i looked it up I'm like oh no this is a real film snake bartek's favorite character from twin peaks yeah snake you remember snake yeah i do yeah mike <laughs> not 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 yeah. the not the red room mike the other mike the other mike snake so we'll be covering the Film Snake, and we'll have to keep calling it that throughout the whole entire review <laughs> next week. Just FYI. Well, I just I still remember the comment was just S's, so I'll just call it Snake. Uh, so that's it, listening people. Thank you very much for participating in this uh, event in which we talk about a movie. Let us know your feelings on the movie, and if you have any recommendations, you can hit us up on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, uh, where you can just follow us there and look at our social media posts, let us know your stuff. You can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com, in which you can just email us, talk to us, chat to us, recommend films, all fun, all of this is in the description of the episode. Uh, Until then, Bartek... I've got to, uh, I've got to burn down a greenhouse that's near you, very, very near you. It's it's quite close. It's right near you. You may be even too close to see it. I live in the suburbs, idiot. <laughs>